now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and this episode, as always, is brought to you by our great friends at Coach's Bar and Grill, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway. Great food, always a great time, and the food made by the neighborhood for the neighborhood, so make sure you get to Coach's. Today, I'll be joined by one of my good friends at both St. Patrick High School and the University of Illinois, and a great fellow Cubs fan, Rich Eberwine. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Anthony. Good to be here talking some Cubs. We're talking about baseball again. It's, what a time to be alive. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amidst everything going on, we've got baseball back, and that's kind of a a little bit of a healing note for our nation, I believe, in these times. And we'll start with the Cubs season now officially underway. They're four games in. Three and one is their record, and they sit alone atop of the NL Central standings. What have you liked so far from the Cubs? Um. Well, specifically in the Brewers series, you had two really encouraging starts from the, uh, the rotation. Couldn't ask for anything better from Kyle Hendricks. Nine-inning, complete game shutout to give uh, David Ross his first win as a manager. That was an incredible opener to the season. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think Hendricks was the opening day starter all along. I've talked about yeah. it on this show for you listeners. Um, he's the guy I thought deserved it over Darvish and Lester. And I think he proved why. Um, and I actually have a follow-up question for you, Rich. You know, we've seen some good starts from Hendricks, Chatwood, and Lester. And Darvish didn't pitch terribly, but you know he can pitch better. Do you think potentially the starting rotation is going to be a little stronger because they don't have to worry about at-bats? Yeah, you know, this the rotation on paper looks okay. Um, the thing that worries me about it is the depth you know, past Alec Mills, you know, who was your starting rotation depth after that? You know, if another guy goes down with injury, God forbid, or the virus, you know, I think you're going to see a real problem with the rotation. Um, but as long as they keep turning in quality starts like they have been the past few days and your Darvish comes around, I think they'll be in good shape. Um, but, yeah, they I, that depth problem is uh, it's, uh, it's worrying. Yeah, it it is without a doubt. I think you you get into some of the further guys. You look at like a Colin Rea, who I don't think has a a major league start, or an Adbert Alzali, who pitched a little bit last year, but obviously still has some more um, developing to do. Hopefully you get Quintana back before, God forbid, another one of those guys goes down. But yeah, like you said, the depth is thin, and same thing goes for the bullpen. We'll get into that a little bit later. But offensively in that Brewer series, the first two games kind of worried me. You know, they won three to one and or three nothing in the Hendricks masterpiece, and then mm-hmm. eight to three when Darvish took the loss. My worry was that all six of those runs came on home runs from Rizzo and Hap, and I think Contreras hit one also. Um, I thought this team was going to be a little bit too dependent on the long ball, which was something that kind of bit them last year. They were a home run strikeout walk. But then in the Chatwood start finalizing the Brewers series and Lester's start against the Reds yesterday, they put up a combined total of 17 runs, and both games saw a lot of small ball. That was encouraging to me. Yeah, I agree. And specifically about the Chatwood start, what was great is the bottom of the order made a lot of that production happen. You had Horner with two hits, Caratini with an RBI, Hayward an RBI, Contreras was batting 
sixth, I think, that game. Two hits, two RBIs. Hap had a homer out of the nine spot. Yep, Hap had a couple big hits. Um, That was really encouraging. The Reds game, the small ball in the first inning was huge. That was really encouraging to see. Um, You know, they they need to keep that up, especially – with the bullpen thing happening. Jesus Christ, that was a holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, that, that came last night was uh, a nail-biter, if, you know, if you've ever seen one. Yeah, and, and it was very it was very recent Cubs typical. You get out to a big lead, and then mm-hmm. you turn it over the, to the bullpen. I believe it was 6 nothing when they gave it to the bullpen, and then the lead was 8-1 to one at one point. Um, yep, I mean... Yeah, you had uh, no run, no hits on the board for the Reds when Lester gave the ball over the bullpen, and you know it was just all downhill to there till the last pitch, basically. Yeah, you've got you've got these pitchers that still aren't really all that stretched out. Darvish was pulled near eighty pitches, but he gave up a, a little bit of hard contact. Chatwood was pulled around the same time, um, but he was starting to walk guys. You could tell he was getting a little bit tired. That move made sense mm-hmm. to me too. But then yesterday you look at Lester getting pulled essentially from a no-hitter, five no-hit innings. My question to you is, is that more of a thing of him not being stretched out? Do you think David Ross saw something, maybe a third time around the order he was worried about? Or you think maybe David Ross just wanted to show John Lester he's the boss? Um, you know, I I don't think it was any of that. I think it was more of, um, you know, Lester is 36 years old and, who knows John Lester more than David Ross? Um, he probably saw something that we didn't. Um, if you look at the peripherals, uh, Lester had one walk and one strikeout. You know, obviously no hits, no runs, but, you know, I think Ross might have also wanted to see what the bullpen could do at that point. Um, yeah, with a pretty big lead. Yeah, and he got he got a good taste of what he was getting. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I don't think it was anything like that, like Rossi trying to uh, show Lester who's boss. I think, um, you know, Lester gave it his all. He was around 76 pitches, like you said. Um, Maybe one more inning would have been nice to see, but it's not too worrying. It was the first game he started this season, so I think that's more like what it was. Yeah, I think you don't turn an eye if he he had given up one hit at the time. But the fact that there was a no-hitter on the table made it a little bit more of a question mark, but... Ultimately, they won the game, so I don't think you can look back and play Monday morning quarterback all that much. Um, sure. I think the main concern from last night was the closer. <laughs> yeah, and, and we could get right into that now. Craig Kimbrell came in to close the game. I believe the score was 8-4 to four when he came in, or 8-5. to five, And he walked. He got one out. We'll give him that. He got one out, but he walked one four out. guys and hit another guy. So he surrendered five base runners, made the game 8-7, to seven, and Jeremy Jeffers had to come in and get the final two outs. Thank the Lord he did, but a lot of question marks for Kimbrell in the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, holy moly. That was a, a that was the last thing you wanted to see Kimbrell do, walk all these men, hit a batter, and it's really worrying to see because this man has not been effective since his, the beginning of the season in 2018 when he was with Boston. Second half of that season, he had a 4-5-6 ERA in 22 appearances. Not good stuff. Last year, we all know how he was. Six and a half ERA. 
you know, giving up long balls left and right. He just has not looked sharp in at this point years. So, and they're paying him sixteen million dollars a year to get those three outs in the ninth inning, and he has not done it yet. It's it's a big big worry for me with this team. Yeah, it's a worry for me as well. And you know, you look at that twenty eighteen season. A lot of people think, oh, he saved what is it forty something games? They won a World Series, but you know who saved the final game in that World Series? Chris Sale. Yeah, not Kimbrell. It was Chris Sale who nope. struck out Manny Machado. So he even got pulled from the closer spot in the biggest game of the entire year for the Red Sox. So obviously yeah. it's been a little bit of a downhill for Kimbrell, um, which which is a little bit worrying. But Yeah, it doesn't look good. And, you know, it could be, end up being one of the worst contracts the Cubs have dished out for sure in recent years. But the other big problem is – you know, who do you give the ball to after that? You know, I think there's three men in that bullpen who I have confidence in to get three outs. That's like Kyle Ryan, Rowan Wick, who was, you know, a small sample size last year, but pitched really well, and Jeremy Jeffress. With Kimbrell pitching the way he is, I don't know what Rossi's plan is, but you got two guys essentially you can go to, and then you got to have Jeremy Jeffress waiting for Kimbrell to screw up in the ninth, so you got somebody else to bring in, essentially, is what's happening. Yeah, and that's it's, not the way you're, you're supposed to draw up the bullpen. It, it's obviously some some big question marks. Jeremy Jeffers has so far looked good, but, you know, if you put him in that full-time closer role, I mean, we don't know. Rowan Wick, like you said, great stuff, but we've only seen it in samples. Um, the other thing with Wick, you got to remember, is he was a converted catcher. You know, he's been pitching for, I think, four years you know it's a small sample size and you got that on top of it it's unreliable bullpen right now you know you're really looking for guys to step up you know you're Dylan Maples you're Dwayne Underwood juniors you know you need somebody else to step up right now yeah you got your your Winkler and your Tapera and your Sadler but you, you got to see them get outs you know you could talk yeah. all you want about you know the pitch lab and all these things these guys have been working on, but the bottom line is come into the game and get outs, and so far the bullpen has not been that great at that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So that's I think the main worry right now is the pitching staff as a whole, bullpen specifically. Yeah, I agree with you. The offense has been on track so far this year, but I think there's one glaring hole at the top of the lineup thus far and that's Chris Bryant. He's off to a really slow start, one for 17, eight strikeouts, just one walk and one hit by pitch. Granted, I will give him this. Both times that he has gotten on to start the game, he has come around to score. So when he does get on, it works, but it needs to work more. Yeah, um, it's a small sample size again. Only four games on the season, but last night he scored two runs. And the other thing about Brian is you you have a good track record um I still don't understand where all the criticism around Brian comes from and one of the things I love about him being a leadoff hitter is it's gonna sound really money ball but he gets on base like we just said um he was second on the team last year in on base percentage behind Rizzo led the team in walks led the team in hits I mean I think he's the perfect spot. He's the perfect guy for the leadoff spot. Yeah, I, I think so too. Obviously, this is a slow start. And when all these other guys are hitting, when Rizzo's hitting, when Hap's hitting, Horner, Caratini, Contreras, whatever, it doesn't seem like Bryant's not hitting because this, the team's still putting up nine runs a game, eight runs a game. But 
I think once Bryant and Baez really come around, this lineup gets extremely long, starting from top to bottom with Bryant leading off and Hap in that nine spot. Not a not a thing opposing pitchers are going to want to see. Agreed. Yeah, Bryant is like that. You also got the long ball in play. You know, he's like that George Springer like leadoff hitter. Hit uh, thirty bombs last year. Um, as long as he gets on base, he's a quick runner. You know, people underestimate him, even though he's six five. He's he's super fast, like a gazelle out there on the base pass. <laughs> um, you know, I I just love everything about the leadoff spot. And yeah, he's got a slow start this year, but I mean, like you like we said, small sample size. We gotta give it give it a little bit of time, and as long as the rest of the lineup is producing, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I got I got two things actually about that. I think the first thing is. Obviously, the role of the leadoff hitter is to get on base, but another role of the leadoff hitter is to see pitches, give feedback mm-hmm. to the rest of the lineup, and make the pitcher work. And I don't know if you remember the first game of the season. He led off with an 11-pitch at bat, ended up flying out, I think, but then Rizzo got a hit like right away the next at bat. And, and yeah. obviously, he's- the results haven't really been there yet, but he's still seeing I mean, he's working 3-2 counts. He's... He's putting the pitcher to work and then followed up by Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Schwarber, whatever you want to do after that. Those guys are the ones benefiting from it. Soon it'll be all five of them, I think. Those guys are the ones producing. And, yeah, that's been another criticism about Bryant not driving in enough runs. Drove in 77 last year, which, you know, is no slouch, mind you. (laughs) Um, I, I think it's been down from that 100 RBI thing that he was going in 2015, 2016. But... That's because there has been no leadoff, proper leadoff hitter since Dexter Fowler left the team. Right. Nobody really getting on in front of him. You go pitcher and then Almora or pitcher and then, you know, whoever you put up top. John Jay did it for a while. Schwarber last year was terrible. Hayward couldn't do it. So then you have Bryant batting after two guys that just made outs all the time. He's the one setting the table for Rizzo and Baez and scoring over 100 runs a year. So it makes sense yeah. to slide him up there, not have the automatic out to start the game, and hopefully you start off a lot more games one nothing. Totally agree. Yeah, that was another category he led last year. Run scored with 108. You know, I just think there's nothing to uh, complain about with him leading off. It's that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I think so too, and we'll see how it ultimately turns out. But my question to you about the leadoff spot is: Do you think that's where he'll stay? long term or at least for a large portion of this season barring any injuries or anything like that i think long term yeah so Um, you you don't think it's an experiment that you know if he doesn't start coming around they'll just take him out like they did hayward last year or schwarber last year i don't think so and i think this might be one of the reasons they brought ross in and this it was like a madden thing to completely switch around the lineup the top of the lineup specifically all the time I think they need that consistency at the top. Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and then Schwarber, Contreras, and you know can switch off for the cleanup role. I think that Ross is probably going to keep those three at the top of the lineup as much as he possibly can, um, yeah. and I think he should because that might have been one of the problems is just keep switching out the leadoff hitter, keep switching out the one two. You know, I think a little bit of consistency up there will do them good. Yeah, I think so too. And there's never a problem with your five best hitters starting off the game i think and um another thing i want to get into we you know me and you both are big chris bryant fans but we also understand a lot about the game um so we want to take this time 
um, to transition a little bit into talking about Bryant specifically and his future and his career with the Cubs. So I want to go back to last season when he filed that grievance. A lot of people thought it was a shot at ownership and a shot at the Cubs. I personally think it was more a ploy for the next CBA to get something like this not be a possibility to manipulate service time. What's your take? Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think um, I don't think he's mad about it. I think, he, um, and I saw him in an interview say this. He's like, I don't like the rule, but I'm not mad about it. You know, I think a lot of guys feel that if they own the team, they would do the same thing just to get as much production out of the player as possible. It's 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 you know, it's not a great rule. It's a little shady, but um, it is what it is. Baseball, at the end of the day, is a business. Um, you know, I don't think the grievance thing was any, like, I don't think he holds any anger against the team because of that. Yeah, and, and he's come out and said it. it's nothing against Theo, it's nothing against Ricketts, it's nothing against the organization. It's just I want to use my platform as, as a player and a, um, the Cubs union rep, or at least he was until he had a child, that mm-hmm. I have a voice, so I might as well use it so more players don't lose out on their chance to get paid. But it's nothing personal with the Cubs. And a lot of people speculated that that means that Chris doesn't want to play here long term when he filed the grievance or that he won't sign a big extension and he wants to be a free agent. But every time he has talked to the media or talked in interviews or even his dad has talked in interviews, Chris loves playing in Chicago. I want to be here. I want to play with Rizzo for the rest of my career. I love this city. I love the fans. Why would I ever want to play somewhere else? So, so what? What's the deal with everybody thinking he doesn't and him saying he is? I don't know. What's your take on it? You know, I think it it goes back to this like weird criticism about Bryant that people. I think he's a super, really underrated player, um, and then people look for reasons on why he's not signing a contract extension. Like I said before, baseball is a business. You know, if and the Cubs right now, it's the harsh truth, but I don't think they're in a position to extend Chris Bryant long term while also holding on to Bryant or uh, Baez and Rizzo. You know, they're, I smell a rebuild on the horizon, Anthony. Um, and Bryant might be one of those guys that gets unloaded, but next year, traded. And, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, baseball is a business, man. Yeah, I think the thought is there that you want to maximize Bryant while you can get something in return if you know you're not going to keep him. But everything we've been hearing is that this is the place he wants to stay. And obviously Mookie Betts just signed that monster extension, 360-something million, 12, 13 years. I think that hurts the Cubs' chances to re-sign Bryant because I I thought for a second that, with him having a kid and starting his family in Chicago and the fact that, you know, coronavirus, none of these teams are making as much money, so they're not going to be willing to spend as much money. So maybe the Cubs could re-sign Bryant for a little bit cheaper than they expected, but then you see a guy that was supposed to be a free agent at the same time as KB coming out and making almost $400 million on a contract. That's something that Bryant's probably looking at and saying, if he could get that, I could probably get something close. And you know that's what Scott Boris is thinking. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Scott Boris is going to try and get as much money as he possibly can, not only for Bryant, but all of his free agents. Um, And I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, um, 
money talks, man. Uh, baseball is a business. Oh, that's the other thing. You know, the other thing is sports. This happens to every team. Every team ends up breaking up eventually. You know, it can't last forever. It's just the way it goes. And, yeah, I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later for the Cubs, unfortunately. Um <laughs> just the way it is yeah and you know that that probably is the harsh reality of the next couple of years you're gonna have to pick and choose who you want to build the next successful cubs team around and who you want to exploit to get more players to come in and join that next successful team it seems like based off of what literally everybody is saying the cubs are going to re-sign rizzo they're going to sign bias to an extension and they're going to try to get Schwarber with the money they have left over, and there's not going to be enough for Bryant. That's how it appears. Obviously, there's been expressed interest on both sides to to meet in the middle and play in Chicago for the rest of his career, but like you said, money talks, and for a Cubs organization that has been repeatedly saying that we don't have any, that might be hard to get done. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's going to go down to who they're going to decide to build around, and I, I'm under the impression that it might be the first-round draft pick that they just took, uh, Ed Howard. And if that's the case, um, that guy's 18 years old right now, just out of high school, Chicago guy. Um, it's going to be a little while before we see that next successful Cubs team. And, you know, this team is aging. You know, Rizzo's 30, Hayward's 30, Brian, I think, is 28 now, Baez, 27. You know, these guys aren't going to stay young forever. Right, and so you have a 60-game sprint where through four games you're on top of the division. Might as well go for it now. Who knows when these guys are going to be playing together again. Yeah, I agree. I think I, this is it. This is the, the last dance, if you will. Yeah, this year and, and maybe next year if they can get through this off season with all those guys still on the team. We'll see, but for now that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you, Rich, for coming on the show. Enjoy your loop this afternoon. you too as well anthony thanks for having me and we will see you all next time on the cubs corner for now thank you all for watching you can catch or listening i should say you can catch this episode past and future episodes on soundcloud apple podcast and the cubs hq website but for now thank you all for coming to the cubs corner